tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Drug Playboy, Mrs. Rogers, Philip's Angel, and Pizza Bandits. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I am your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. <laughs> um, um, Ro- Robbie, this is a uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Sorry, what is this called? Reenacted. <laughs> That's our podcast. Reenacted and unsolved. Oh Lord. Yeah. Oh boy. This is a, a reenacted. First is I'm recording while laying down because I have thrown my back out and I can't comfortably sit in was what was already a very uncomfortable chair to record in so and i am i'm also pretty dosed on some muscle relaxers so this is either going to be a super awesome episode or it's gonna suck i don't i don't know how that's gonna go here okay well well i guess we'll find (laughs) out (laughs) yeah i uh, i guess i'm podcasting while impaired once again so uh interestingly we're recording this the tuesday after american thanksgiving so it's not quite december i think it's what is today the last day of november uh yeah and i i actually got to meet up with our producer connor on sunday night got to escape the family a little bit and um met up with him if you follow us at Reenacted Pod on Twitter, uh, you 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 might even you might even get some multimedia. Uh, yeah, we of took this. we took a picture for the fans to see, yeah. um, so they can see a little behind the scenes. Because I, you know, Connor is m- mobile right now, living in a van down by the river. But uh, he's typically not in the state of California, so that was a rare appearance. By uh, the con man. He is mobile, uh, whereas currently you are not. I am um. not mobile. <laughs> not even a little bit. Oh, Robbie, um, you were at work on Thanksgiving. I was. And so you guys were talking about doing a break room Thanksgiving. What you, would you end up doing? Yes. Uh, my coworker brought in uh, a, a lasagna from Costco. And, oh, good call. Yeah, and some uh, cornbread. And mm-hmm. I brought a Trader Joe's uh, Trader Joe's chicken swarma thighs. Uh-huh. And uh, as well as uh, some uh, a little some things to act as sides as well. And for um for dessert we ju- we just used the leftover desserts from the football party earlier that had happened earlier uh, in the week. Um, it was good. I I'm I'm not a turkey convert yet. Following up on the Thanksgiving oh. draft from a couple of weeks ago, I'm not a turkey convert yet. But I think I made the best turkey I've ever had. Yeah, I made it for thanksgiving this year nice Um, but i'm still you know but it's like at the end of the day i'm like oh i wish i had done all that preparation and that technique just like on a chicken (laughs) 
you know? <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. just something kind of like funky and foul about Turkey. I don't really, I don't really enjoy. Um, many apologies to our not North American listeners. I don't know if you guys get turkey meat in your part, your parts of the world, but that is a uh, pretty popular sandwich meat here. Yeah. In the U.S., probably Canada. I don't want to speak for Canada. I know Central America. Listen, Robbie, this is what I learned when I was in Mexico. Oh, wow. Is that the uh, some of the main sources of proteins before the Spanish arrived in Mexico for the, um, uh, you know, the Mayans, Aztecs, Zapotecs, Mm etc. Were uh, Turkey. What? And yeah, Turkey. Well, Turkey is native to North America. You see. So, uh, Turkey was uh, one of the, so that's sort of one of the correct things about Thanksgiving, you know, is that possibly, I I guess the, uh, settlers would have had access to that. I guess I don't remember that being mentioned in guns, germs, and steel. Huh? Yeah. They had Turkey, another, um, another source of protein in that part of the world in Mexico was, um, uh, crickets or uh chapulinas as they're called they're dried and roasted and they're very delicious and there's a per- they're a protein with no fat and then yet another one was there was a type of hairless dog that was cultivated for meat okay. um in mexico so just you know things to think about putting on the menu hairless pets weird <laughs> try and <laughs> celebrate native cultures <laughs> on on what is otherwise a colonizer holiday but i didn't want to get into all that that's the the muscle relaxers talking robbie i do want to get into this episode of unsolved mysteries it is season five episode 19 let's go up to vermont and get some maple syrup this is a great um was it fraught? No, I guess wanted. Yeah, it was Whatever. a wanted. Segment. Yeah, uh, it's it's about a con man named Brian, and it starts out with. Um, is there a term for like, like three or four seconds worth of playing piano keys? Like, I'm I was I really don't know about music. An an interlude. An interlude is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Okay. It starts out with or what prelude. I... Or prelude. Or prelude, okay. It starts out with what I what I call the... Uh, what I'm start, starting to think of as the Unsolved Mysteries con man piano prelude. Where, mm-hmm. you know, we have for to... sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's what, what they're, they're playing now for any time we get, like, a story about some sort of... Um, some sort of con guy. That's what this mm-hmm. Brian is. He's... Um, a dude who a uh, wealthy New Yorker who came out and bought like 30 acres of property out in rural Vermont. Uh, he, he, he said that he made his fortune manufacturing toothbrushes, <laughs> which sounds like the kind of thing like I would think of like, Oh yeah, you know, everyone uses toothbrushes. So if I say that, well, like, it turns, it turns out the oral B, the B standard for Brian. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's um wait that is this guy's name right brian yeah yeah okay good joke crystal please continue 
Well, I wasn't sure whether is 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 Oral Brian a type of um, marijuana? No, I was just thinking about how you could get away with that lie at a cocktail party. Oh, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm 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 the heiress to the Oral B fortune. My father's name was Brian. He's the B. No, no Oral one's. B. Yeah, no one's gonna. No one. No one knows anything about that no. offhand. So yeah. No. Yeah, and they, you know, they, they have some, uh, like, one of the women they talk with, uh, or people they talk with is this woman who, uh, she, I guess she sewed him a puppy or something, and she, mm-hmm. she described how, he, uh, I get the thing that that really uh, people found magnetic about him was. Uh, when you talk with him about something, he would either know a lot about it or he would s- seem really interested in it, which I feel like is a tactic I could do because I could either mm-hmm. I'll either know about what someone's talking about or I can pretend to be interested. I I, I, I really don't understand why this is what she describes as what, what made him feel very magnetic, but um, we get we get some deeper character description from Sue and Frank Midor, uh, mm-hmm. who you know, like Frank, you know, he's talking about how you know Brian, he you know, he's this guy, he really wasn't too, you know, he wasn't like didn't know much about country living, but gosh, you just you just had to like him, and mm-hmm. and even though like you know he'd ask for you know. He would ask for advice, and and his uh, his way of of asking for advice is to have you show him how to do something, and he just stands there and watches. And we have this. So this is being said while I have this great reenactment of Brian, because Brian has bought horses for you know because of course, uh-huh. and he's riding one down to where Frank and Sue are. Uh, and Frank and Sue mentioned they also have a ranch in Virginia, which had me confused at first until I finally figured out the, all the uh, locations involved here. But like, you know, and, and, and Brian's like, hey, can you help me? I think the saddle's adjusted wrong. And he gets off and Frank, you know, he, uh, he goes to one side of it and he's showing him how like, look, you, you know, you, you, you put this thing through the strap and you do this and da da da. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, just demonstrates to him, like, here, here you go. And uh, Brian, you know, when Frank's like, do you think you could do the other side? And Brian's response is, do you think maybe you could show me again? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, which is a very exceedingly clever way of just having Frank do the other side for him. I, I kind of like hate that though when there's like people at work who seem really eager to learn. They're like, oh, can you teach me? And then it's just like a trick to get you to do the thing. I know, right? But I know, but it's, but they're doing it in such like a positive way. They're like, oh, I, you know, I'm so happy you're teaching me that. And then you like on the third go around, you're like, wait a minute. You're not even paying attention. You just want me to do the thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's totally Brian. Uh, yeah, as as depicted in this statement, but apparently, even for being such a city slicker, uh, 
uh, people just, I guess, found it charming for some reason. Um, yeah. Con- Connor, feel free to sprinkle this whole segment with some Billy Crystal, <laughs> possibly Daniel Stern, possi- possibly Bruno Kirby qu- choice quotes from City Slickers 1 or 2, Legend I'm- of Curly's Gold. Never talk to me like that again, and I'll turn your balls into earrings. Wow, I, I I'm impressed that um you you knew the name of like the third guy I yeah Bruno Kirby okay <laughs> <laughs> sorry the Chris. third guy sorry Crystal I'm 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 not I'm not as I'm not as plugged into the Hollywood scene as you are <laughs> living out there in L.A. I was I expect somebody who knew film to remember Bruno Kirby, who was also the uh I think he was the limo driver. I wanna say f- there was a scene with a a limo driver that was talking too much and spinal tap. Oh. I believe he was the limo driver there. And he was also uh the man who married Carrie Fisher's character and when Harry met Sally. Oh wow! So he's got like a double Billy Crystal helping. Yeah, I think he was just in stuff with Billy Crystal for a while. You, you wonder if you think maybe like maybe it's they had become like friends of of a sort, and they mm-hmm. that's just subsequently whenever Billy Crystal was doing something, he sort of like was able to sort of swing a supporting role to his his friend. Yeah. I do think that happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, so. But this but, isn't the Bruno Kirby <laughs> cast. This is about unsolved mysteries. I have it, completely forgotten what the hell we were talking about <laughs> before we went on that tangent. Well, what is this segment? Wasn't it obvious? I spiked them with muscle relaxers. Yes, re- reeling it back to Vermont, they've inter- they interviewed a a woman named Peggy Dupont, who um, she describes because uh, he Brian's the uh, brought his horses off of her, or no, 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 no. She was she was housing his horses like. Uh, you know, she had a mm-hmm. the property and the the, the facility. Yeah, so she was board. She was boarding the horses. Boarding, That's what they call it. Yeah, boarding both horses. Yeah. And she described how, like Brian, he always paid in cash, all up front. And, you know, would just like put the money right in her hand. And she descri- wow. describes how her her husband, upon hearing, upon her telling him about this, was like, he's a drug dealer. And she's like, he's not a drug dealer. She's just absolutely incredulous. Like, you, you know, he's a nice, he's a really nice man. All right, cut, cut, cut to a bunch of police cars chasing, racing down, <laughs> down the highway. Because it turns out he was a drug dealer, part of uh, the head of this huge illicit drug empire. Uh, they, apparently he was he had this huge marijuana growing operation on his property, but oh no, not in Vermont, the least suspect of all places for that. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Um, and apparently, as we find out later, this was really just like that was just a hobby for him. 
yeah. his his money was made in the in the the the, the harder stuff. But they yeah. have they have this great reenactment of I guess Brian is now at Frank and Sue's place in Virginia. I guess visiting them them for the weekend as I sometimes would visit you. Um, uh-huh. Uh huh. And. You know they're 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 having breakfast or coffee in the the kitchen, and Sue answers the phone, and she comes back, and she's like, "You're not gonna believe." Well, even before she comes and back and tells them that like the authorities are looking for Brian, like just overhearing what she's talking about. You, I really love the 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 reenactor who's playing Brian does a good job of like trying of of having a face where it's like play someone who's really really worried but is trying to play it cool and he's just you know like sue comes back and she says like there you know there's this big drug operation and they're looking for you brian and brian in the reenactment brian's response was like well i guess i better make a phone call um get this straightened out you know uh and i guess he played uh, According to Frank and Sue, he he played a good job of being just so so perplexed as to what was going on, and like I have to get back up there and and you know get this sorted out. So they drove him to the airport. <laughs> I guess I guess they weren't there with him at the counter when he was buying the ticket. So because he did not return to Vermont, he went on the run, and we then we get the the entrance of Agent Lebeer. Um, who you know he describes he's the one who describes Brian's operation the the complexity of this indoor marijuana growing facility he had up on this property and they're talking about you know he's trying to track down information on Brian he can't really find anything so he, he decides to go international and he contacts Interpol and <laughs> When he That's a portmanteau of international police. Yes. Yes. And I I love like in the reenactment when he gets his packet from Interpol. I don't know about you, but this um I guess uh it comes you know, it was like one of those um beige or manila or whatever envelope um envelopes mm-hmm. you stuff stuff into but his is like huge did you mm-hmm. did you did you perceive that with like yeah the- it was uh you called those like accordion folders it had multiple folds to hold all of the uh clues yeah it was gigantic to the point where i was like seriously for a moment i was like wait is are they trying to imply that Agent LeBeer is like a very small man, <laughs> like physically? Mm. <laughs> you know, he's, 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 he's like, we're, we're to infer from this that he's actually about three foot seven. Yes, uh, he that is that's in the wiki that he's a very tiny man. <laughs> OK, <laughs> that's a fact. OK, yes. And then. And then we have this great. That's followed immediately. Well, we we have a little reenactment of Brian in the past taping narcotics to himself. Mm-hmm. And if you're a sharp, eagle-eyed viewer, you'll notice that in the mirror, in the background, mm. there's a reflect reflection of a lady in his bed. 
So there was a lady. Yes. I didn't notice the lady. I was concerned, though, because the reenactor playing Brian had a fair amount of chest hair. And he was just applying that duct tape to hold the drugs. And I'm like, buddy, you know, when you got to rip that duct tape off. That's going to be painful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, 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 he was not. Yeah, he was not a, a smooth skinned guy at all. No. Yeah. No, let me so let me give you give a tip to anyone who wants to smuggle drugs uh from a country uh and get get the way the way that Brian did please shave your chest first. It's gonna save you a lot of trouble when you're taking those drugs off your body when you get to your final destination. That's been Crystal's drug smuggling tips one oh one for I the, mean, the episode. I feel like I feel like getting drugs anywhere is pretty easy. <laughs> For the most part, I believe you are correct. Um, yeah, I think if you're doing it like Brian was doing, okay. Well, here's the other thing, right? Unsolved Mysteries explains why Brian is selling the drugs, and it all started when he went on a trip and did some Paris. What was it? Windsurfing. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he just got he got hooked on that windsurfer's lifestyle, and he had to figure out the quickest way to fund it. You know, drugs. Do you think that drugs are are what we need to sort of fund and expand the podcast? Oh, uh, most definitely. Okay, I think we should deal some drugs. All right. <laughs> so just you know, slide on over into our Twitter DMs or send us an email, and we'll. Uh, See what we can do for you. Right now, all I have is muscle relaxers. <laughs> which you are on, which which is everything you said is the muscle relaxers mm-hmm. talking. We're not actually going to do this, but yes, yeah, slide over to our to our Twitter. Yeah, slide re- in the DMs. Well, we got you. So what happens after Brian gets his shit busted in Vermont? What happens to this dude? Well, I mean, they, they had... They had like Asia LeBeer trying to track him down, complete with mm-hmm, a. Cur- but he was too small. <laughs> he was too small, and he met. Okay. The, yeah, he met. <laughs> and they have a scene where he meets someone in a parking garage who purports to be part of Brian's um, operation, and it's you know standard parking garage. Let's recreate like. Uh, the scene from All the President's Men. We'll have a guy who's smoking a cigarette. I uh, kind of, uh, and, and but I, I guess this guy he didn't really have any specific information. Just that, like, Brian's gonna bring in twenty million dollars worth of like heroin on the West Coast somewhere. So we, you know, the the episode ends uh, starts approaching the end where they're talking about you know you know where the the actual end of the segment would have been, but then. Uh, we get uh, immediately an update. As soon as this episode was 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 aired, people were uh, in Central California were just pouring yeah, in the Paso depths. Robles, Paso Robles, Paso Robles, Robles, full yeah. fucking snitches just lighted up the switchboard on Unsolved Mysteries, and they were like, "That mo- that motherfucker's right here." 
Yeah. I, I, I love the fact that, like, apparently Brian was watching this episode of Unsolved Mysteries because they mentioned yeah. how the episode aired at 8, and by 8.15 he was gone. Yeah. Well, you know, that's why you should really um, slide in these active wanted cases in the middle of the app. <laughs> right, right. So they kind of like, you know, you, you put a lost loves before, so they kind of get bored and maybe they go to the kitchen to like make something. To make a snack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they, I they, mean, there was no, there was no TiVo. There was no DVR. It was just on. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I I always I always thought about that, like how how nervous that would be in the experience that would be for anyone who was wanted back in the 80s and, and 90s. If like, you know, you know, Unsolved Mysteries is airing that night and you're like, God, I hope I hope they're not talking about me. I hope I hope tonight's not the night. Right. Well, it was it was Brian's night. Yeah. Bye bye, Brian. He got he got arrested and he went to prison for like seven years. Guess, yeah, guess he's out now. I'm yeah, fi- I'm fine with that. I mean, he didn't. Uh, yeah, that seems okay. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, well uh, while we're on cheery topics, do you want to talk about yeah. horrible international incident that happened back in 1988? I I do want to talk about it. Uh, because I, it made me want to throw things up my television. Robbie, I'm going to lean on you for some historical accuracy and context in this yeah. segment. Uh, because I was completely unaware that prior to Desert Storm, um, that the, the U.S. had a sizable uh, naval... And uh, it sounds like Air Force capacity in the Persian Gulf prior to 1991 and the escalation with uh, in the and the first Iraq war. I did not know anything about this. Uh, I guess that's a good point. I always we always tend to think of that as like a thing that followed uh, 91. Like after 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 91, we're kind of just permanently uh, there uh for better or for worse um but uh yeah well, uh, yeah we were there bef- before and so um let me see i you're gonna have to fill in the names of the people here but uh just for a little context this is what unsolved mysteries tells us is that the uh i guess it was the iranian army navy uh, or, or i think the revolutionary guard which is uh um, yeah that's uh, the right name for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew I was going to remember names. Yeah, well, I mean, just, uh, they had, <laughs> yeah. they had been har- harassing um, oil tankers passing through the region. Yes, and at some point, the U.S. military got involved, specifically the Navy, to act as escorts um, for these oil tankers to pass peacefully through the region. So the setup to this incident in 1988 is that there had been um, some aggressive uh, gunboats that had been firing at U.S. naval ships. Is that accurate? 
Yeah. So yeah. what had been happening? So things were pretty tense. And on that same day, an, air, an aircraft uh, took off from uh, Iranian airspace. And the captain and the command crew of the USS uh, Vincennes uh, attempted to contact the aircraft um, to tell them, you know, to get out of the airspace. And then there was no response from the aircraft. And the aircraft got within, what was it? They said 12 nautical miles or something. Yes. Of, of the, of the, the skirmish that was going on. The most interesting thing I thought about all of this is that on the day of these occurrences, there happened to be like a film crew on the Vincennes <laughs> right? just for training. I don't know. Maybe it was some kind of internal training video. I don't really know why they were filming, but they happened to capture everything that went down that day. And so the Vin- Vincennes uh, crew tries to get a hold of this aircraft, telling them to get out of there, and they end up shooting the aircraft down. They fire a missile at it from this um, from this battleship that's out there. And, uh, it, there was a really interesting cut where the crew is celebrating at having nailed right. the plane. They, they score a hit and they are like, "Yeah, we the- won battleship!" Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, and, but and then it cuts to like when when you like hear like then they begin hearing that like oh there's an airliner that is overdue. Right. And it cuts to like it's overdue. It's yeah. The, you know, it cuts to a bunch of guys looking off, off the the side, like you know, with um, much more subdued facial expressions. Yeah. Um, yeah. It. So, uh, but you know so what had happened was. If you want to explain it, go ahead. No, but no, I I I was just want to take a moment to to say. Uh, as horrific as this tragedy is, imagine what a boon it was for unsolved mysteries that they didn't have to spend any money on any of the reenacting of this. <laughs> they just, if this film crew was that there, that would have been expensive. Yeah, yeah, no, that would have been an expensive reenactment having to get get on one of these like dead battleships down here and film people running around and celebrating. Yeah, you, that you have been... to pay on the you, you have to rent uniforms and all, all this other jazz. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and they got footage of the guys like. You know, during the skirmish, firing the the you know the 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 machine guns and mm-hmm. uh, uh, smaller armed uh, sort of weapons from mm-hmm. uh, I th- I think it, the Vicens is a uh, a destroyer. It looks like, judging from I I thought it might be a galaxy class ship, <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, <laughs> in, in, in my conceptualization of, <laughs> of, of Star Trek ship sizes, I tend to think uh, of the galaxy class as like a battleship. Is that the largest one? Yeah, yeah. So like, is it like like a Voyager? Is it like a USS Voyager, the Vincennes? Because um, that's not a galaxy class starship. Yeah, I, I, would say, I would say the Vincennes is more like the hood. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's an like an or by because by the time of of the next generation, like an Excelsior class ship is basic. I mean, when when they first get introduced, they're bigger than mm. any anything else. But by the time of next generation, that's like that's like basically a destroyer. It's like Nerd! Voyager would be smaller. It'd be like a frigate. Um, okay. Yeah, but. Uh, 
uh, and then that's 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 our Star Trek ship naval analogy um yeah uh things um so yeah uh so the slow horror builds when they realize what they have done on the vincennes yeah it turns out that what happened was there's an iranian airliner that was leaving from iran to dubai and um was uh unfortunately was crossing into uh flying right into where this uh skirmish was happening Mm -hmm. now i could have sworn actually i thought i had seen some i can't find it because i immediately tried to search for it again on the web i thought a few days before watching this episode i thought i watched Mm -hmm. i i came across something on like Yahoo when I was just opening up Yahoo or, or something, the, all the little news things. Uh, and you know, one of them was like, apparently like the Iranian, uh, government, instead of having the plane fly around where a lot of these situations were happening, had that plane just go ahead and fly right across. I, I I'm not necessarily, hoping they got shot down or something, but uh, I don't know, but I tried finding it again on the web. So maybe that was just a dream I had anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Uh, strange dream to have, but yes, I, the thing that kind of went unexplained in this segment, but maybe at the time it did not need to be explained, uh, is why could not the, um, spotters on the ship or whoever's you know watching the sky why could they not differentiate between a fighter jet and a, a commercial passenger plane hmm. that's a good question like how many miles out is it before like uh, something becomes discernible uh, with, with with magnifying glasses or or even on their, excuse me, even on their radar. Even on their radar, I yeah. Don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is to that question. Yes. I, so I'm just throwing it out there as, well, that wasn't really explained why they could not identify that as a commercial airliner as opposed to, you know, yeah, a fighter could, jet. Um, could, the other, the other po- part of this is that it seems to this point, everything was happening on the water. It was just boats on boats, and that there was no air attacks. Right. Going on. Right. Right. Yeah, because it was. Uh, yeah, from my understanding, these things were typically involving like these guys going out in these high speed boats uh, and, mm-hmm. and causing trouble. Uh, I don't know if was the because the Iran Iraq War ended in 1988, but I don't know if it was still going on at the time of this of this. Um, of, of, of this tragedy uh, mm-hmm. but i well i i uh listen i think there's an argument here the only reason that the u.s navy seemed to be in the region at the time was to protect our oil interests yes with yes. protecting those carriers coming through and there's a international energy security is a very complicated topic. <laughs> yes. Um, 
That is I did, true. I did write. I did. I did write my thesis on it. I do have a degree in international relations. But so you're also on back uh, on on muscle relaxants. So yeah, I I just I'll just say it's very complicated. It seems it seems like like there was a domestic dispute and it got escalated because the cops showed up. Oh, interesting. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's possible. Um, and, um, you know, I don't know that this tragedy could have been avoided. I don't know what the technology looked like at the time. Perhaps if the plane had I mean, communicated back that they were, you know, just a commercial airliner. Yeah, I was civilians. wondering I was wondering if, like, if since there are – the thing that was running through my mind was, like, since they are a commercial airliner, maybe they were just, like, on a totally different frequency or something. I, Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah like, I don't, yeah. I don't know how the, all the comms and stuff in airplanes work, but, but anyway, uh, so that was terrible, obviously. Yeah. And, um, but now we're going to go to San Diego. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and we're going to get to the, the, the mystery mystery part of this, which is, mm-hmm. um, because, uh, shortly after, uh, this incident, um, Captain Will Rogers, uh, wife, Sharon, um, mm-hmm. who was a fourth grade teacher. Uh, so, uh, uh, probably less, slightly less reason for people wanting to assassinate her than, uh, this, than this incident, but you never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents can, can be yeah. crazy. She started yeah, this getting... is the wife of the... Uh, to be clear, this is the wife of the captain who made the call on the Vincennes. That's yeah. the connection. Here yes. And she um, she starts getting, like, calls late at night, like, is this the wife of, you know, the captain? And mm. um, uh, so she starts get feeling unnerved by these, the law uh, FBI or whoever, you know, they're trying to, like, uh, check out, check this out, because you know, obviously, they're like, well, there would be a, a, a reason for for this, considering what just happened. Um, her husband's ship makes it back home. Uh, she she greeted him back, and uh, I guess one of the things that they the law enforcement was having her do was like, look, uh, when you get home, put your car vehicle in the garage. And don't leave mm-hmm. it out in the, the street. And yeah. so, so then they have a description of like one night they were coming back from some, you know, big meeting or something. And, you know, it's, you know, it's like when you get home and you're, it's at night and you're really tired and they're talking about, you know, like, look, you know, we, we just wanted to get to bed and we just didn't, they just didn't, you know, they didn't, ha- they just weren't feeling it for like, having to go through yeah. all the effort of pulling all the vehicles in the garage. I'm sure all our listeners at home, like know this, you know, it's like, you, you, it's, it's like when you have stuff in your seat of, of your car, it's like, I should really bring this yeah. in, but it can wait till tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. they, they leave the vehicles out that night and then they have a description of how, I guess every morning, Captain Rogers, <laughs> the commander of a, a United States Naval destroyer, would go out into his wife's van and drive down to the local market to buy her breakfast pastries and come back. Yeah. Um, as was his custom. 
as was his custom. And apparently that went without incident. But then when right. she got into the van and you know was driving along, uh, taking her normal route to school, uh, she pulled up to a red red light uh, on La Jolla Drive, mm-hmm. and then she heard what to her sounded like an explosion. Yep, <laughs> and she, and it, and certainly in the reenactment, it looks like an explosion to me because like, we see like you know some sort of explosiony type thing and flames all over the 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 vehicle. I, I very much enjoyed all the, the vehicles that were also parked at the red light speeding away as soon as this happened. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I GTFO. I see something exploding. I'm out. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm out of there. Can't blame them. And then Sharon describes how, like, in her mind, she's like, okay, I only have a few seconds. Like, you know, this is critical. Like, like she has to do this right or she could die. And then immediately is followed by a description of how, like, she tried to get out of the... She opened the door to the van and tried to get out without unbuckling her (laughs) seatbelt. Yeah. So she already screwed that up. Yeah. Pretty bad. But But she lived. She lived. She was Um, okay. Some some local uh, guy doing construction work ushered her over to his, his car. And was like, do you need me to call anyone? And he pulls his cell phone off of the dash... It's, uh, yeah, and can we talk about how this was momentous? Yes. This was momentous because I do not recall a previous segment or anything in Unsolved Mysteries where there was a cell phone. I It seems shown like on screen. All my memories up to this point are of, you know, people calling on landlines. You're absolutely yeah, right. Or a pay phone. I think this is the first Hateful. appearance of a cell phone in Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, it's 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 fairly decently sized. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, uh, it's got a flip. It's not the Zach Morris <laughs> cell phone. It's it's like the first version of like the Nokia or Motorola cell phones where they had a big fat battery and a short antenna, short and antenna. they had like a flip phone yeah. situation. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so he, he calls for help and they they bring in like all the, the top forensic people from the FBI and naval investigations, um, you know, trying to figure this out. Uh, I like how the uh, supervisory special agent um, Hancock uh, descri- describes how this was, was definitely a bomb meant to hurt someone and not just meant as a prank. <laughs> which I don't know how mm-hmm. how many bombs have you seen be used as just a prank <laughs> in your life? Where someone like had a yeah had like a pipe bomb and then they were like just kidding, <laughs> right? Or this yeah um, done none times. I can't imagine a pipe bomb being used for anything other than yeah yeah intending it, to damage property or people. So it was a weird choice of wording, but. And then yeah. we, we have a little reenactment of a uh, what is purported to be a Middle Eastern man approaching some mm-hmm. some of the people who lived in the neighborhood. And this was uh, something that mm-hmm. had happened earlier. Um, this this guy who he seems to be suf- suffering from the same relative loss of hair that I'm currently at. 
he he comes up and he immediately starts asking, "Hey, which is which house belongs to the naval captain?" Which seems like just yeah, the most right? <laughs> the most suspicious way you could phrase it. He he could have yeah. he could have um, you know put it like, "Hey, do you know Bill?" You know, and not not you not even use Will. Say Bill Rogers' place, so they'll be like, "Oh, yeah, you this guy." You know, they're calling he's calling him by by Bill, so obviously they're they're you know they're, they're casually close. But the the neighbors are like, eh, "We're not going to tell you that." And then, in a weird way to try to like play it off, the guy's like, "Oh, okay, uh, I'm looking for a Middle Eastern family. Do you do you know yeah. if they live on this street?" It's like. How do you jump from yeah. one to the other? Right? Well, you know, and the people, the these people in their little area of San Diego were like, you know, San Diego, America's largest gated community. We're like, uh, I don't think we have those in this neighborhood, but you could try over there. <laughs> That was that was literally what the guy's like reaction was. He was like, just you know, in this neighborhood, I don't think so. so but uh, you uh, might you might try that gray house down on the corner. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love yeah. I love taking the piss out of San Diego because they absolutely deserve it. Um, Robbie, what? Ha- so this the last the like. They're trying to. F- they're looking for the for the guys who talk to the neighbors, mm-hmm. not because they think that they're suspects. Wink, wink. It's I- because they just <laughs> they just want to. Uh, they just have some questions. That's all. I I I love how how unsolved mysteries tries to play that off too. Like, look, they're they're not. They don't want to arrest them. They just they just want to ask some questions. Yeah, like, they just want to have a friendly chat. In a windowless room, yeah, at a dark site. <laughs> yes, um, I guess those guys chose not to take them up on that offer, though, because uh, the uh-huh. segment just ends with no update. Yeah, um, well, there's there is Miss uh, what's what's her last name, M- Mrs. Rogers. Yeah, the the poor woman who is scared to death by this pipe bomb goes on this whole rant about how terrorism won't be tolerated in the united states <laughs> and uh and i was like hey lady um you are about to be so wrong oh boy. <laughs> in a, let's let's see about eight years uh yeah. from that you're gonna see how hard the terrorists won and continue to win because we all still have to take our shoes off at the fucking airport and i can't bring hair product with me when i go anywhere that's how they won yeah, is that they have uh, both minorly and majorly inconvenienced most Americans for the last two decades. Precisely. So I hadn't heard about either the pipe bombing and I, I certainly didn't know about them shooting down the airliner. Oh, yeah. I hadn't heard any of that stuff. Okay, yeah. I mean, I didn't know too much about the 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 incident about the airliner. I mean, I knew it happened. I think this was in context of me reading about the Iran Iraq War because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think by eighty eight the war had kind of started to swing Iraq's way, uh, mm-hmm. and so Iran was uh, trying to 
for a long time, Iran kind of had the upper hand, uh, and they're like, "There's, you know, we'll be great." And then Iraq, uh, in the last year, thanks to thanks to some assistance from the United States, um, uh, yeah, was was able to uh, was able to make some significant gains on the battlefield, and I guess Iran was trying to find unorthodox ways of trying to to bring the thing to a conclusion and Mm -hmm. um, the Persian Gulf potentially being a a, a theater to operate in because that's like the top five oil producing countries in the Middle East. Like their oil goes Mm -hmm. out through the Persian Gulf. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's a pretty sensitive area. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it is a very sensitive area. It's, uh, it's so sensitive that I would recommend shaving it before duct taping anything to it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, because uh, otherwise, once you once you've arrived at your destination, you know, boy, it's gonna be uh, it's yeah. gonna be pretty painful ripping it off, r- ripping you, that off. You, yeah, you're gonna rip all those hairs out of your oil tanker if you don't shave it before you uh, yeah duct tape it down to your. Uh, hey, you know what? Maybe they would have gotten a call from those guys that they just wanted to question Wink if they had made it a Lost Loves segment, (laughs) like (laughs) what we're about to talk about. (laughs) Let's talk about Steve, old Steve. Is it Macri, Marky? Marcy? Macri. Macri. It's... it, I like yeah, it's, it's. I like to call him Steve. What? Yeah, Should I was I gonna say Steve? let's let's call him Phil. Let's call uh, him Philip because that's his name. Yeah. Uh, All right. Here's what happened. Back in 1987, guess what? Uh, a uh, he, I guess he was in high school when this happened. He was vacationing in Virginia Beach, or yeah. they live there, or something. That, that, that's. Uh, would, would would a high schooler yeah, they, would a high schooler like to go swimming out on Virginia Beach? You you know that area better than I do. Is that? No, I've never been there. That's in Virginia. <laughs> okay. Hence the name. Oh, I thought there's <laughs> a Virginia never... <laughs> Beach uh, on the California no. coast. Oh, never there's mind. Not. There's a Manhattan Beach, which is also confusing. Okay. Because that is not located in Manhattan. No. In fact, that is located in California. But Virginia Beach is very much in Virginia. And uh, Phil, and this reenactment is great. He's so excited to get in the water. He rips his shirt off, dives headfirst in the waves, and very suddenly, well, what wasn't suddenly, sort of a slow realization as he's trying to swim through the ocean that he can no longer do that and what had happened was is they don't explain how i'm this i'm sorry but this segment like really freaked me out and i'm already scared of the ocean okay reasonably so he he dove in head first into a wave instantly broke his neck okay yeah, I, I was confused at first. I had to kind of like replay. I was like, "What? What happened?" I, I, I yeah, I don't like know. A, like, did he did he jump in and like hit a hit some rocks he didn't see, or are waves just that it, hard hitting that they'll break your neck? They, they, some of them can be, I think, but it's really not explained. And now I'm like, well, I'm not getting in the ocean again. <laughs> yeah, that's reasonable. What is that? 
What is that? This guy, he's, here he is. Prime of his life. He's going to go to college on a basketball scholarship. Decides to go swimming. Instantly breaks his deck. It, and it goes unexplained how that happened. Yeah. So it, he is in the sea floating like so much kelp and other sea destri- detritus there underwater because he can't swim because he broke his neck. Mm-hmm. And um, a woman, an unknown woman, mm. goes in to s- save him and she drags him out and gets him onto the land. And uh, Phil's sister is there. Yeah. Sees what's happening, runs over. Everyone is hysterical. Finally, the lifeguard get, gets involved. And I'm like, you had one job, lifeguard. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of just let it, um, let someone else take care of the, the heavy work yeah. for me. Yeah. 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 The actual rescuing portion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Robbie, have you ever, se- have you ever seen a lifeguard rescue somebody out of the sea Baywatch style? You ever seen that happen? You mean outside of Baywatch? Uh, No. Yeah, just like, have you seen it? I've seen it. I saw it one time. It ruled. Oh, really? Yeah, that lifeguard saved the shit out of that woman. Oh, wow. It was awesome. Yeah, it was real cool. It was in Hawaii. Some gal went out, got out too deep. Lifeguard was on that, got on his board, paddled out, got his floaty out, got her back on the board. Whole thing was over within two minutes. Saved her ass. He was on it. Nice. Um, yeah, he was that guy ruled. Big ups to whatever his name is. Okay. These lifeguards not so much on it over there at Virginia Beach, and I'm going to assume because now we know we're in the age of cell phones that the lifeguard was looking at their phone and not doing their job. <laughs> Even though that this happened, the accident happened in 1987. Well, they we've now been established at- that cell phones exist in the Unsolved Mysteries universe. <laughs> so we're going to be. So our, our our hypothesis to anything now is going to involve cell phones. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So. I- as as uh, Phil is being resuscitated, the the mystery woman who saved his life just sort of fades away onto the beach. Yeah, and you know, Robbie, the, did you have an observation here that you wanted to share about, about her swimsuit and how attractive that the the woman playing her in the reenactment was? Yeah, yeah. Chris, yeah. so like the first thing that went through my mind as she was walking away was like, if I was one of <laughs> If I was one of Phil Phil's friends, I would kind of my my instinct would be to want to rush over to her and be like, "Hey, thank you, thank you for for yeah. for, for what you, what you did for my friend." And I think yeah. you know, like after all this is over, like his family will probably want to thank you too. Can can I have your phone number? Um, right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Robbie. Never missing a moment. Yeah, to score <laughs> on the beach. Uh, so, yeah, but she was, you know, it was interesting because at least in the reenactment, she was kind of a, a much smaller woman than Phil. But she got him out of the she got him out of the sea. And um, so yeah. Phil, Phil gets taken to the hospital and, and we get an interview with his dad and his dad says, I, I know men shouldn't cry. But when I saw my son like that, I was like, bullshit, dad, like you cry your little eyes out. That's your boy. <laughs> you yeah. have yourself a good cry. There's nothing to apologize here. Yeah dad 
So this is we're, traumatic. We're, we're we're at the point where we have cell phones now now, but like, uh-huh. but men still have to be like, oh, I'm a man, I can't show any emotion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Men men only were allowed to cry when the iPhone five came out. That's the <laughs> the year that. What year? What <laughs> year? Got to do that, I guess. What year is that? I, I I haven't kept up on. I don't know. Maybe like 2011. Okay. I don't know. All right. I. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I just don't saying ha- things. That's okay. That's what that's what our pod is. Crystal <laughs> and Robbie saying things. Like when we're done with unsolved mysteries, that will that's what we'll unbrand we'll rebrand ourselves as. Crystal and Robbie saying things. Just saying things. The podcast. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, so Phil's he's got his neck in traction there, so he can't move around. And um, you know, the first two weeks he spent in the hospital, um, you know, they it took him three days to pump all the sand and seawater out of his stomach, and then he had a number of infections yeah. that had to clear up before they they knew the extent of his paralysis. And um, Phil at this point is. So the segment is five years after the incident. So Phil is a is a quadriplegic. Um, he seems to have some very slight use of his hands. He's got a yeah. motorized wheelchair, uh, and uh, you know, but he's going to college. He's making it work. Uh, no one's no one's like feeling sorry for Phil. He's happy to be alive. He's here, and he would be even happier if they could find that mystery woman so he could thank her in person for saving his life that day on Virginia beach. And what do you know? We got an update. We got an update. So what was, what was her name? She calls the call center to say it me. I'm that. Oh, I don't, uh, uh, I, what Linda, was that it? I think it was Linda. Yeah. Oh, Um, I remember Linda, Linda Potts. (laughs) Linda Potts. Yes. Yeah, her name was Linda Potts. She was she is now or in 19 or 1993 she was a 43-year-old surgical technician. Um they actually even though they were both vacationing in Virginia, they live less than 60 miles from each other, Phil and Linda. Um Uh okay, there's a bunch of stuff in the wiki that Unsolved Mysteries didn't elaborate on, yeah. which is important because I was thinking, oh, sure, anyone, how do you verify this, right? So anyone yeah. who wants to get on TV could be like, I did it. <laughs> that, I'm the one. That was that was rushing through my mind as well, yes. I mean, I've seen but, the movie Hero with Dustin Hoffman, Gina Davis. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, you know, but the wiki just told me that she had known all along that she had been one that saved Phil because I guess his story made it in the newspaper or something because they lived close by each other. Yeah. And so she'd been informed by her husband, you know, that he had survived and that he was in the hospital and stuff. So she knew the whole time who Phil was, but she didn't know that he was looking for her until the unsolved mysteries episode. So I think that's, I think it's probably legit. Like she didn't, the wiki gave me more information than Unsolved Mysteries did. Because I was just like, any old person could call up and say, I, but I, they probably asked for some identifying details, right? Like, yeah, the only things she would know, like, well, right, what, did, yeah. what, did you, what did your swimsuit look like? <laughs> or like, what beach, what beach was, was it at? What was the weather like that day? Maybe yeah. something yeah. of that nature. 
Um, so she, yeah, so that they had a nice reunion, and then yeah, it, I guess Phil, f- they, mm-hmm. they 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 meet, and then they go to the what looks like the local Elks Lodge, or I don't know. Um, I guess where, so. Where there's a there's a um, a buff, little buffet dinner laid out. Uh, we see her putting a gigantic piece of fried chicken on her plate. There's also what looks like maybe lasagna, and then also uh, a, a a pan of meatballs. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, you, you better I don't. It. I don't even recall that part of the reunion, but you okay. really honed in on some details there. <laughs> hey, um, that, that that's. I mean, that food. You know, food captures yeah. my interest. You know what details I was trying to hone in on were the ones in the very last segment of oh. this episode of okay. Unsolved Mysteries. Um. So, so shall we shall we move on to uh, the Pizza Bandits? Let's talk about a couple of things. Let's talk about Pizza Bandits. Let's talk about Vallejo, California, because that's where this starts, which is was next to my hometown in Northern California, if if viewers recall. Mm-hmm. Um. So. A bunch of pizza restaurants right before closing time were getting robbed. Yes. Of their cash. And here's what I was looking for. Because they said it was a lot of pizza restaurants. I'm like, how many pizza restaurants were in Vallejo in like 1991 or two? Not that many. Okay. Most certainly, I had to assume one of the robberies took place at Pacifica Pizza. Why is this important? Because my very first job that I ever got paid to do was go to put coupons in people's doors when I was like nine years old. You could go to Pacifica Pizza. They pay you by the hour. You got to get rid of all your flyers, walk around the neighborhood, get your money. Wow. Go put the coupons on the door. You had this job when you were nine years old? Yeah, I got that. Well, we had some, there were like some older kids that were like 12 or 13 or whatever. Yeah. It was just like, hey, go walk around, put stuff on people's doors and um less scrupulous children would just take all the flyers and put them in a dumpster and get paid anyway because the <laughs> idea is you have to get rid of all your flyers but they're not re- learning less hard work scrup- ethic that way <laughs> no they're not um anyway i have to assume one of the robbers as was at pacifica pizza but i was watching like a hawk in the reenactment of a robbery to see if I could identify what pizza restaurant this was. Like, if I could pick the chain, not yes. necessarily location. Like, is this a round table pizza? Is this a pizza hut pizza? A pizza, pizza, pizza? It's pizza hut well, pizza? What well, am I saying? Well, it's a, I don't know. Well, isn't it obvious? I spiked them with muscle relaxers. It's a place that <laughs> you can get pizza by the slice. I, I, I saw yeah, that Yeah, that's much. all it says up front. I don't see any branding in there, so I'm assuming the reenactment was filmed in probably some just off-brand pizza joint in L.A. Yeah. Because, let me tell you, I know I know about my Vallejo Benicia pizza restaurants. Mm-hmm. I know about this, okay? What was going on at the time? A specific pizza. It was Roundtable. There was a Pizza Hut. Better believe it, right? Other yeah. than that, um, there was Pirate's Pizza in Benicia still there still thriving i hope if it's not oh my god i'm sorry (laughs) only so many pizza restaurants 
So yeah. this is a, this was like, this isn't even a wanted segment. This was a special alert, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, 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 I, I think it was, it was something that was just recently happening. Yeah. And they had arrested already several f- folks in that kind of organized crime situation or of that gang. Um, and so, yeah, they were just looking for tips. But we got a white text update on this one that basically said when they arrested a bunch of gang members for other crimes and put them in jail, suddenly the uh, pizza place robbery stopped. <laughs> I, I found I found that update so fascinating. Just like yeah, <laughs> I this is I think the first occasion where we had an update where unsolved mysteries was like yeah that was probably it. <laughs> It was just a collective shrug of, yeah. Oh, we pr- we probably got him. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, gosh, I, the, I mean, you know, what if you don't? What if the the pizza bandits had just stopped on their own and uh, they're they're still out there enjoying their ill gotten pizza, the 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 dough they had ripped yeah. off of those places. <laughs> you saw yeah. what I did and, there. Uh, I said dough. They did interview um, during the special alert segment one of the fo- one of the guys that worked at the pizza restaurant. He said, "You know, they were in and out in under a minute. They like knew the layout of the restaurant." Although I have to imagine every pizza restaurant's kind of laid out the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they so really terrified the guy. And so I was just thinking at the end of the segment, and given that there's been a, a rash of smash and grab robberies. In California, um, I would just ask that if you're going to participate in some kind of organized robbery situation, mm-hmm. um, again, this is my advice, along with if you're going to smuggle some drugs, if you're going to participate in some organized robbery situation, and what you're trying to do is avoid felony charges, uh, please keep it unarmed and don't terrify the employees and don't hurt them, please. Like... Just don't do that. That's not fucking cool, guys. Not they cool. They don't make enough money to do, to deal with that kind of trauma. Not, not cool. even a little bit. No. Not cool. Um, so if you are just going to rob a place, you know, avoid the armed robbery charge. Just keep it to shoplifting. And uh, and and get on with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or do what I do. Order the buffet uh-huh. and just yes. steal from the place. By legally like eating so much pizza that it was a net negative yeah. for for them, uh, which is yeah. something I actually can't do anymore. So for health reasons, for health reasons, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a you know that's the Costco hot dog way. That's the loss leader. Get you in the door. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. I mean, don't steal and don't smuggle drugs. But if you're going to, those were my tips. Yes. Hey, Robbie, if people want to get a hold of us, what should they do? <laughs> if, uh, I mean, just if we want to sell them drugs. Yeah. Reenacted. How, how can they get a hold of us? Uh, our email address is reenactedpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at reenactedpod. Go to reenactedpod fans uh, page on Facebook. And uh, give us five stars on iTunes. And if you go to Patreon, 
We have a new $1 tier where if you want to support the pod, but, you know, just on a budget, you can send us $1 a month. Yeah, that's like a little tip. And if us. you're and if you're one of the people who's sending us $5 a month and we sent you a thing asking where your mailing address is so that we can mail you some unsolved mer- uh, mysteries uh, stuff. Uh, please respond to that because I got like some <laughs> some packets of things to mail out to people and yeah. I don't know where to mail them to. <laughs> it's like people people are like, here's my money, but please don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. This is five dollars to just <laughs> to stop it. Um I, w- I would also say we hadn't mentioned in a while, and I haven't looked at iTunes, but we were going to say if we get to 90 reviews, like you have to write something, though, for okay. it to count. If we get to 90 reviews on iTunes, we'll do a random drawing of the names uh, there, and then whoever, we're going to send you a prize. But that's only yeah. once we get to 90 reviews on iTunes. And you have to write something. Like, I don't care what you write. You put your name or something you identify as so we can get a hold of you. We're yes. still doing that. We haven't mentioned it in a while, but that is ongoing. Yeah. That contest. Uh, Robbie, listen, the pills are really kicking in. I'm uh, going to have to heave myself off the bed here. You want me so, to do that uh, thing? Uh, you I should will. do the thing you, you do. Okay. Join me next week. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. Connor in advance I don't have my pop filter on because I'm going to lay on the uh, bed and while we record not ideal but oh god my back okay oh man alright trying to get let me let me get in a position here before we start and do the countdown oh gosh that sounded extremely painful it was not great Uh, but um it's uh it's okay now I've got my knees up and I'm like half on the bed half off and uh got okay we're doing okay that really took a lot out of me to get on the bed all right now would would you would you find it objectionable Uh to tagging that little ah my back uh, thing at the very end of the episode (laughs) uh no that's fine connor go ahead and add that at at the very end of the episode whatever it is robbie's uh giggling about so okay if you're uh, um all right i'm ready if you're ready we'll we'll do this so on the count of three one two three